Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we will explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. welcome. This is Homeschool is a Journey, Not a Destination. So I'm very excited to have um, with me some veteran homeschoolers today. We're going to talk all about managing expectations, setting goals, um, and maintaining your sanity for a long term. So if you're new to homeschooling or you've been doing it for a few years, I think the advice we're going to get today is going to be just great. I'm going to introduce them and then let them give you a little bit of their background. Judy, welcome. Thanks, Steph. It's good to be here. And um, I'm not sure about the sanity part, but we'll, we'll try. (laughs) Um, Yes, I am a veteran homeschool mom. I'm a retired homeschool mom, but I'm now enjoying a second generation of Sunlighters in our family. And I also work for Sunlight as the marketing sales manager. Very good. Welcome. And hi, Sheila. Welcome. Hey, Steph. Uh, I too am a veteran homeschool mom. I've graduated three children. Uh, Two have graduated from college and one is still in nursing school. Very good. Welcome, Rhonda. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. And yes, I'm also a veteran homeschool mom retired. I've graduated five kids and the last fifth one graduated from college like three weeks ago. Very exciting. And now enjoying that second generation of homeschoolers with my daughter's children. And I have been um, loving working as a curriculum consultant for Sunlight. Fun, fun, fun. Absolutely. And I'm Stephanie Rose. I'm Sunlight's community manager. Um, So let's get started. Let's talk first about the value of goal setting. Let's just jump in and just talk about why that's so valuable to, to, out of the gate, sort of talk, think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Absolutely. They're good things, right? There's um, the Sunlight also has the top 10 goals listed on their website and in their, um, and in the, the catalogs. But I think the main one that we want to probably we're all focusing on is that we want to raise price followers who are pretty smart and Mm well-educated. And you have to aim at something. So goals are absolutely important, not to downplay Mm -hmm. the importance of goals at all. Yeah, You want to know what you're headed for. Yeah, my husband and I, um, we sat down and kind of formalized our goals. We we wrote them all down. And then when I read those 10 sunlight goals, um, I, I was very encouraged because many of ours were similar. And then I also got inspired by some that sunlight had listed. So they, I added those to my, to my goals. And yes, as Judy said, it's important to know what direction you're going. You have to aim towards something or you'll hit nothing. Um, And it all, it's, it's also a way to keep you going when the going gets tough, you can revisit your goals and you can see, you can ask yourself, has, have my goals changed? No, then I have to keep on this path. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really good point. Goals should be flexible and you should adapt to 
um, your changing season, you know, depending mm -hmm. on where you're at. Yeah, in our family, um, when when we first started homeschooling, I had a kindergartner, a three-year-old, and a baby. And when that kindergartner, I mean, every year we we sort of said it was understood that we would continue doing this as long as it was mutually beneficial, as long as the child was doing well and the teacher, the mom, was doing well. So when when the oldest one hit ninth grade, he came to us. It was a long story and I'll shorten it, but he came to us and said, mom and dad, I think I really want to go to this school. And it was a small Christian school and we had not planned on, on sending our kids to school. We were in it for the long haul. And so we had not planned financially to send a child to private Christian school. We had planned for college. We had not planned for that. So we had to really seek the Lord and evaluate our life situation. And can we afford this? And is this the right choice? And, and we did end up deciding to send him. Now he's the only one who went. The other two stayed at home the whole time. But because we kept that flexibility, we were able to make that change. And Stephanie, you made a, a really good point when you said um, things are for a season. Um, homeschooling is a season of your life. It's not your the totality of your life and, and your life is not being judged on your homeschooling. It is for a season. And I think it's helpful to keep that in mind when you're setting those goals for sure. How do you think your vantage point or your perspective on homeschooling changed from when you were first homeschooling to, you know, by the time you've launched these adults into the world? I, I think it kind of did to, to um, tail on to the end of what Sheila was talking about, that you're looking at the goals every year and you're reevaluating, but notice what she said. She talked about, she was looking at her children and understanding her children and understanding her family and what was best for them. And I think that's one of the things that um, probably I've really learned to let go of is the shoulds of looking perhaps at another family and thinking, well, why aren't I doing it that way? Or maybe they're doing it more perfectly or maybe what whatever your shoulds are that you feel guilty about. And I think it's so important to be, be almost students of your, your family function and each child, and then to understand and continue going forward with, with that knowledge and that security of, and talking to the Lord about it, obviously also, big part, um, but, but being secure in that. And so just, just freeing yourself, I guess that's what I would say to my younger self is freeing myself of those shoulds and comparison to other homeschool families who look like they have it all together or look like they do perfect little things. And maybe for them, that's a great way, but that's not the function of your family. So I think having the freedom to learn to, I called it like, we, we have our family song, our family rhythm, our family, our family beat of a drum. And that's what, that's what we nourish, that's what we feed. Yeah, I think, I think I struggled with self-doubt a lot at the beginning. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Um, that was one of my fears was that I wasn't going to do enough. And I know myself, I was afraid that I would, the pendulum would swing the other way. And in fear of not doing enough, we would do too much. Yeah. So I was actually really grateful. And I, 
this is not a plug for sunlight, but I was really <laughs> grateful when I found sunlight because I felt like, okay, I have a framework. Like this is, this is something that I can work from. And, and I, and I know that when I'm done with the assignments for the day, I can be done. I don't have to feel like, oh, I could squeeze in an art lesson, or I can, you know, do a little bit more because I, I am, I tend to cram it into my life. I'm, I'm very busy. I like to do a lot. And I was afraid that I would like drive my kids too hard and, and burn them out and burn myself out as well. So the comparison trap can really, really trap you because when you're talking to other moms and it is good to talk to other moms, you need to have community. You need to have support when you're stuck and your child doesn't want to do X, Y, Z. It's great to have someone that you can talk to and say, my child doesn't want to do X, Y, Z. What did you do when you encountered that? And so it is great to get ideas and support, but then there's that fine, fine line of getting ideas and support and then second guessing everything you're doing. And, oh, maybe, maybe I should be doing that handwriting program. Maybe I should be doing this math over here. And I've seen so many people in working in the sunlight booth, I've seen so many people jump from different thing to different thing every year because they keep looking at that grass is always greener on the other side and they keep comparing themselves what they're doing to what their neighbor is doing or to what the other curriculum is doing and what they've set out and and so I I'm so grateful that I stayed put you know like mm -hmm. it's like buying stock you don't sell when when it's bad you stay put and you ride it out and so um, that, that is one thing that I would say, find something that you are happy with that works for you and then put those blinders on, quit looking around. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work, if it's broken, sure, you got to fix it. But if it's working, do not, just don't, don't, don't. Right. And sometimes amen to that completely. Cause I see a lot of like hopping of like, like hopping from curriculum to curriculum. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I think sometimes it's much more about your, yourself, like maybe the mom's feelings themselves instead of paying attention. Because if mom likes it, probably it's going to be successful. Sometimes I don't know how much it is about the child as, a much, as much as does mom like it? Is she comfortable with it? Is she figuring it out? And just like what you said, Sheila, with hopping along, sometimes you hit a hill. And sometimes you just need to teach your child the lesson and yourself the lesson of sometimes we might have to work a little harder and it's worth and worth it. And I love sunlight too, because I agree with you. I trusted it. I knew somebody had thought through all, all the things that you would need. And I felt like then when I wasn't like dazzled by other things yes. and I just knew that I had the best and I could just trust it and move forward with it and we weren't wrong where we should it's good it's good and i found i need to actually um take off the blinders um because i set those goals i'm great at setting goals my problem is i get so focused on that goal that i miss the journey of getting there um a writer that I enjoy uh, reading is Joanna Gaines. And I read an article her, by her recently, and she said, it seems like we've learned to glorify the outcome of something far more than def the defining moments that got us there. And that that's me in a nutshell. I would be mm -hmm. so focused on that goal that I was not enjoying the journey at all. 
And I think from my perspective now, as I look back, if I could have taken my eyes off the goal enough to enjoy what was going on with my children. And I think you, you learn that as you go along. Um, yeah. I don't think I missed the entire journey, certainly, but um, I think not only is comparison a trap, I think that being so hyper-focused on your goals can also be a trap. Mm-hmm. That's really good general parenting advice. I feel like <laughs> at any point you're always wishing the day away because something went wrong or you know what I mean? Like, oh, just if we can get to tomorrow. I, I really dislike wishing my days away when I get frustrated with some of those things you had planned for today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how did your goals, like we talked about how they change through the seasons, but can you give some examples like when you had little kids versus when you had high school kids? Like what kind of goals can anyone who's maybe transitioning through those years think about differently? It's funny because I think um, when, when your children are little, you spend so much of your time just parenting them and being with them and your life is saturated with them and you, um, you come alongside and you want them to come to you when they have questions or concerns and, and you want them to be able to trust you and to have fun with you and look forward to being with you. And then we get to this transition point where um, we're coming up on high school, you know, junior high and high school. And now you've got to do just the opposite. And it's time to start untying those apron strings and pulling away and getting them to let go and to stand on their own two feet and um, to make decisions on their own. And um, like I suspect many homeschool moms are, I. I was big on control. I, I liked to know what my schedule was and what my kids were doing. And so moving into that high school phase, that was a challenge for me to step back and say, you know what, when you come to me for with questions or advice, we can sit and talk and have a conversation, but I won't give you the answer. You have to come to those conclusions on your own. And so we can pray together and we can talk together, but the decision is ultimately yours. That was hard. That is hard. And it's a very gradual process. It isn't like seventh grade, here we go. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, you let them have the control. Um, I like to liken it as the, um, the dog leash that retracts. And so you start letting them out a little bit and then you pull them back if they mess up and then you let them out a little bit more and then you pull them back. And so it's a very gradual process of letting them test the waters, letting them try try new things, letting them have consequences to their mistakes. You know, hopefully they're small, um, but it's better to do it while they're still in the house rather than you have that control up until they're 18 and then they're out, they're out of your house and they have no, you know, they're just, they're free and they're going to go and do all kinds of things because you haven't let them have a taste of what it's like to try and fail, try it, try and fail and be there picking them up when they fail and, and being a support and um, praying with them and praying for them and all, all those things. I think some of that independence comes from, uh, like, for instance, because I had five kids, so I was actually speaking teenage at the same time that I was speaking toddler. And um, I remember, like, along about the time when the kids are really independent readers, 
and they can read a schedule themselves. And so probably, I think it was around, around D or E, usually when the kids were doing the American history, the first year and the second year, um, I would really give them a lot more um, control of the schedule themselves and make them responsible to look and see what, what it was that they were supposed to read to themselves today and, and then talk about it and then just talk to them about, did you get that done? And then also allowing them to be part of the person who actually helped their younger sibling along. And it wasn't that I was um, being lazy or trying to um, not, not spend time with the kids. I was, I was right there. It was allowing them the joy of teaching someone else. And, and when you do that, they're, they're learning something about themselves when they're mentoring someone. It, it's a weird thing. Teaching someone, I think, teaches independence for yourself and responsibility and helps you start understanding what's important and why you're doing the things that you're doing. And maybe that's part of the independence process is allowing the child to understand why they're doing what they're doing. So if you had to create a photo album of your homeschool journey, what would you make sure was included? Legos. Lots of Legos. <laughs> Lots of Legos. That's good. I, I think one of the things that I talk <clears throat> about most in the Sunlight Booth to brand new homeschool moms is that your school does not have to look like school. And it's okay if your children are playing on the floor with their Legos while you read history out loud or while you read science out loud. And I have ADD children. I didn't know it at the time. They were just my children, but later we found out that's what it was. And I would let my son walk and with his book, walk around the house. That is how he would read. And my husband would come home for lunch and see the kids upside down on the couch and you know, reading in a fort or it, you know, just not, it didn't look like school. And he was really nervous that my kids were not learning. Our kids, our kids were not learning. And so he would grill them. He would question them. What did you learn today? And what, you know, and he would get, it's like a pop quiz and they would pass and he eventually relaxed, but it doesn't have to look like school. And so my, my photo album would have children upside down on the couch playing with their Legos, walking around reading their books, because that is what our school days right. look like. And pajamas, lots of pajamas. And under, under the dining room table. Yeah. Reading books in the fort. upside down. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That is so true. I was thinking too, like I would put a picture of tea time. Cause oh, you guys the, oh yeah, we will. Because I, I mean, I had, a, I had four boys, one girl, but but it was just kind of a time, they still talk about it, where they, I think they enjoyed kind of the break and we would be reading together or talking together. But I think it was like almost the quintessential moments in some ways of why we homeschool of just that family breathing time together and laughing uproariously about things. And that's when you develop your own family language. So I guess the tea time would be representative of family of family jokes, family language, all the special things, the insider jokes that nobody else understands, but we do. And it's funny. 
and nobody would know why we're laughing uproariously at the tea time table. So it wasn't formal. It was what we call it was a chance to have our good snacks. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was snack time, maybe. But I called it tea time. I think that I would try to find a way to capture um, those moments when a child got something. Um, the first time you, they realized that they were reading on their own and they would finish reading a page and look up at you with this, this just awe and joy on their face or the time when, you know, we had wrestled maybe for an hour over some math concept and, and I'm not a math person. So when my kids would wrestle with math, I just ached for them because I remember being totally confused by math all through my school years and, and a math concept would click and they would be so excited. And so would I, because, wow, did I explain that to them? And, and I think I would fill my photo album with those, those firsts, those Mm -hmm. um, moments of success and joy so that on those days when nothing's going right. And I have tried to teach this child how to read this sentence for what seems like weeks and weeks. Then I could go back to that photo album and look at those joyous moments and remember those and remind myself that this part, this struggle is just a season and we'll get past this just like we did all the others. And, um, and then I'd probably sit and cry as I looked at all of them as well. Yes. But um, yeah, try to try to fill that photo album with all of those successes. Yeah. What okay. about like, that's a good point. What about, are there anything, any things that you guys might've got upset about or um, had issues or situations yeah. that bothered you? And then you look back, I know, right. You it look happened. back and you're like, oh, I, that is not a big deal at all. Like I, you know, I might've like, can you speak to any of, maybe not the situation, but maybe the learning behind it, like how you came to that? I was thinking when I was thinking about this and thinking that um, actually it kind of is a big deal and you would probably think it was, but I, my, most of the kids just, they just sort of, it was kind of like you put the ducks in the pond and they just started reading. Like you just give it to them and they just read, they just took off. But the last one, it was, it was hard work and we worked hard. And, and I remember thinking, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to like, what am I going to do? And, and I will say two things about it, about those days when you're like, um, just that praying about it. And it, it could even be like a little thing that could become a big thing, but praying about it when you go to bed. And I'm telling you, there. I just don't remember a day where God didn't like put some just little tweak in my mind. When I, my feet would hit that floor the next morning, I would feel renewed and restored because I talked to God about it. And sometimes we forget to do that because we figure we'll just figure it out on our own. But I think resting in the Lord to just put a little tweak. Sometimes you need to talk to somebody else, sure. But sometimes it was just a little tweak situation. And, I, and the big thing was, the big drama was like, Josh, I didn't ever think he could read. And you know what? He graduated from college. Like, so yeah, 
Like yeah. looking yeah. back and realize, yeah, he learned to read. I just had to realize to take step by step by step and be patient with it, right? We got there, just a little bit different. I think that one of the struggles for, for me was we went through a period of time with our youngest child who was born with a number of medical issues and I was homeschooling older siblings. And I remember thinking, um, I'm going to have to put my kids back in school. We're, we're going to miss so much. Um, I'm never going to be able to make it up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm failing. I'm failing them. I'm not handling the stress and the drama of the medical issues well. Um, I'm just failing. And you begin to believe that lie after a while. And that hole gets deeper and deeper and it gets harder and harder to climb out of. And um, I think two things like Rhonda said, number one, um, when I look back at that, there were things that my children learned, not academics, um, mm -hmm. but things that they learned about working together as a team, as a family and about caring for a younger sibling who was struggling and needed extra help. Um, and then I think uh, the other thing that I learned was, um, you know what, all three of my kids uh, graduated from high school and from college, and they can all read, and they can all do math. And, um, you know, they, they manage pretty well as, as um, contributing members to society. Um, but more importantly, they're compassionate towards one another and towards people um, who maybe are struggling. And so a lot of times those areas where you feel like you fail are really opportunities to learn that couldn't have happened any other way. Yeah, that's really good. We struggled um, with learning to read. Uh, two of my three children are dyslexic. And um, I, again, I talk to people in the sunlight booth a lot who are, who, when they find out that sunlight is a literature-based curriculum say, oh, we can't, we can't really do books because my kids are dyslexic. And I'm like, no, no, let me tell you why sunlight works with a dyslexic child, because it worked for us and this is how it worked. And, um, I think there were not the resources that there are today then. Um, but one thing that we did do, thankfully, we had a neighbor who, who, whose kids were a little bit older and she had been down that road before. So she was able to give me a lot of guidance and we did several things that she had recommended. Um, and it, it helped. It helped a lot. Um, I still don't have, to, those two kids still do not love to read, which hurts my heart a little bit because I love to read. But I took a screenshot <laughs> just yesterday of my son who posted in a family Snapchat that he would rather read this book than do his job. Um, and I had to record that. Like I had to take a screenshot because I was like, this is the kid who never wanted to read. And look, he's reading Dune. It's like some big thick book that all the kids are reading. Um, so, so yes, is he ever going to be as, as, um, avid a reader as me? Probably not because he still has to work at it. It is still difficult. It is still hard, but we got through it. Um, as his parent, as his mom who loves him more than anyone else besides God and his dad, of course, I'm going to do whatever I can to help my child succeed. And had that kid been in school, yes, he might've had um, special ed classes or, you know, so something like that. But 
but no person is going to want him to succeed more than me. And so I did everything in my, in my ability and my capacity. I did all the research, you know, we had him tested. We did all these things in order to get him the help that, that he needed. And, um, so it's not really a regret. Um, if I were starting today, I have different resources at my disposal that I then I had then. So yes, there are things I would do differently today, but not that I would have done differently then because I didn't have those resources at the time. Um, one thing that I that I do think that I would do differently. I'm a little bit like Judy. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak, and I did not train my children well to help around the house. I'd, I'd like to do things my way, and I did not have the patience to let them learn and be messy, like be beginners in that process. And so I would just do it. I would be like, okay, the school, school day's done. You guys go play. I will cook dinner, do the laundry, clean the house, whatever. So that is a regret of mine that I, if I could go back and do it over, I would be more patient with myself and with them, and I would do a better job of that because Yes, they know how to do that stuff now, but I have two adult children living at home and I still have to tell them to put the dishes in the dishwasher because I didn't train them when they were little. And so that's my own fault. So there's I'm my advice to die. You. I'm about dying, Sheila, because probably unlike Judy and, and Sheila, I'm really not a control freak. So, but my MO is, well, if we do it together, it'll be fun. Let's go. So to this day, the kids mock me with, because I would always be, this was our cleaning method and it worked. And my kids actually do load dishwashers and do the things, but it was like, let's go room to room and we'll do it together. All right. It's going to be so fun because it's a family event and we're all just going to go room to room. So to this day, the boys come home and they're like, yeah, mom, let's work room to room or whatever it is. <laughs> It's part of your language. It's part of your family language. It's part of our family that like, yeah, we get chores done, but together. It's yeah. a party. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I always say I need 30. I need 30 minutes. I need 30 minutes of your time. I, I think the fun thing is a great marketing ploy, though. Maybe I'll stick fun in there. It'll be fun. We'll do it together. 30 minutes. All we need. <laughs> yeah. Well, or like, how fast can you do it? You know, yeah. how fast can you rake the toys together in the playroom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there are definitely parts, I'm sure, of homeschooling that changed you or shaped you. What, looking back now, what are some of those things that, that helped shape you into the person that you are today? <laughs> That's a hard question. It really wow. is. Partly because you hate to admit to the fact that you needed to change, because certainly, you know, we had it all together when we were homeschooling. Um, but I think um, what Sheila referred to, the, the whole control issue, um, I think that's what God used to change me. Um, very often, you know, I say to, to new homeschooling moms, realize that I can help you put together a schedule for this year, but next year it will be different. Mm -hmm. And the year after that, it will be different again. And it will be different every year that you homeschool. And sometimes it changes in the middle of the year um, because life happens. Um, 
you know, elderly family members come to live with you or children develop uh, medical issues or, you know, just even day-to-day things. A car has to go into the garage or somebody needs to go to the dentist or whatever. And I think every time I would get into a groove and I would think, wow, we've finally done it. I've mastered this. It's working. My kids are learning. They're doing good on their tests and their spelling and reading and even math. And wow, it's great. And it'd be like, God was sitting up there saying, "Hmm, nope. And then boom, you know, not that God is vindictive at all, but um, there was a lesson that I needed to learn. And that was, I was never in control, even when I thought I was. And so I think that part has changed as a result of homeschooling and raising children is just um, to let go of the fantasy that I ever was in control. I think for me, it's, um, I had a picture of what the end product was going to look like. And they would all be leaders in their church and they would all marry Christian you know, people, men, women, whatever. And they would all um, vote the way I would vote. And they would all be readers like I'm a reader. And, um, and that's not what happened. Like they are individual people with their own, their own journeys with the Lord and their own journeys, just their interests. Um, we just spent two, two days together this weekend with all of our adult kids because um, my baby girl just had a birthday. And so we spent a weekend together in Disney. And at the end of the day, we, um, we were sitting around and we asked like, what was your favorite part of the day? Um, And, you know, it wasn't a particular ride. It wasn't a particular country. We had gone to Epcot. Um, It wasn't a particular food or drink that they had. They loved sitting around the table. We sat in two different places in the park talking and it was so that piece is my is my takeaway like they you know i enjoy being with my children they are adults now and they're like really cool people but that's not the way that that wasn't the picture like i was expecting them to be different um i was i was expecting my outcome to be different and um it's it's not and so it's just being okay with the way that god writes your story um and it may not be like you don't get to dictate the way God writes your story. He's the author. He gets to write it. Sometimes our kids don't like to spend time with one another. And sometimes they are not following the path um, that the Lord would have them follow. And I remember walking through that experience with a very good friend who you know, if you had looked back at the way she homeschooled and raised her children, you would think, oh, these kids are going to turn out phenomenally well. And she loves them all with a passion, but they are not walking a path that she would have wished for them. And they've had hard struggles as a result. And so I think we have to realize as well that sometimes that's not the end result. Um, yeah. and, and that's okay too, because God is still in control. And, and the story isn't over. Exactly. Well, I was thinking, kind of dovetailing on what you two are talking about is that I think part of if we're talking about what did homeschool personally, like how did I grow? How did I change? 
And I think part of it is like what you two are saying is an expansive view of, of how things turn out and a, an expansive view of that those things are okay and that God is still behind the scenes working. And that because of the way it looks right now to trust him, that that's that he's not done, the story's not over, like what you're what you're saying, and that being okay, being okay with that. And and I guess feeling like, and this is gonna sound, you know, completely selfish, but part of the change that happened for me was having my own my own soul nurtured through all those glorious books that I read with my children and having my own expansion of the beauty of God's world and the beauty of his people and the beauty of people all around me being expanded by all those, by all that richness that I read with the children. So then I guess then, then that extends into, then hopefully that's the kind of, if nothing else, then those children are also kind of have that viewpoint of, of just that where God, where God works and, and what he's working and trusting him and resting in that. Because I do remember those promises, like what you guys are saying, like going to a homeschool convention and having people promise, if you do this, 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 your children, your children will turn out perfectly. And that is not right. That is not correct. But that doesn't change the fact that we do train our children in the way they should go. But that's, that's our part. It's not, how we're we're not dictating how it's going to turn out. We're just yeah. faithful to what God calls us to. That's our part. And that's what we rest in, knowing that's what we did. So as you think about your homeschool journey, um, I'm sure you all went through a moment in time when you wanted to give up. Um, but what made you keep going? What made you continue down the path? Well, God brought me kicking and screaming into the homeschool journey. <laughs> so then I was without a doubt knowing that God called me to homeschool. And I knew that walking within his will was that, that I was in Southern California when I started homeschooling and, and kind of struggled with you know, I don't know if I really wanted, I was a public school teacher. I tried to put my kids in private school. That was an awful year, probably the worst year of my life. Um, it was terrible. And then it was my mother who was like, you need to homeschool. And, and I, I did, but just knowing, I think that's it. Just knowing that when I wanting to give up realizing and looking back to things, knowing that God called me to. So he says, okay, fine, Rhonda, you're going to homeschool and I'm going to set you down in like homeschool hog heaven where it's well-developed. So he moves me to Texas within like eight months of telling me to homeschool, right? And puts me in, puts me in contact with my dear friends today who I do a homeschool sunlight co-op with. Like God just did that. So there's that. <laughs> there's that like God was pretty clear and then the second piece would be looking back and it's kind of like instead of just seeing those little chunks that keep coming look back and see that big picture and going man here's where we were 
and here's where we've come. This is what I see. And that's encouraging. And, and that's really just biblical. It's God asking us to remember what he's done for us. He did that with the Israelites. He does that with us. You can do it in your homeschool journey. Go back and, and look like, wow, here's where we were, but this is what's happened. And this is what's happened. And this is what happened. And this is how we've grown. And this is how we've enriched. And this is how we've you know, in some ways come to know him better or whatever, whatever the struggles are. I think those are the, those are my two things, knowing that without a doubt, God called me to it. So if he called me to it, he's going to support me in it. And number two, being encouraged by looking back and seeing where we've been with God in the journey. So those are my thoughts. Final thoughts, anyone? What other final thoughts we have? Do you have? encouragement, someone who maybe is just getting started early in the path, um, early in the journey, what words of encouragement do you have? Find some community. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Find either people who are already ahead of you on the path. So someone that has walked the, the part of the path that, that you're on now, um, pick their brain and ask them, you know, talk to me about what this was like, but find some community for yourself. Um, people who are further ahead on the journey, people who are in the same place on the journey that you can commiserate with and, and um, share ideas with, but um, you are not intended to make this trip by yourself. Um, God wired us, created us to be relational. You need other people and they need you, what you have to offer and um, the unique person that you are, you are designed to encourage other people. So yeah, find, find some community for yourself. And I would say, enjoy it. Like if God has called you to this, then focus on the positive, put the negative aside. It's hard to forget. You can't just say, Oh, I'm not going to remember, but, um, but you can only look in one direction. So focus on the positive side. And when you're focusing on the positive, then you can't see the negative as much. If you're going to dwell on the negative, then you're going to see negative. Like your body is, you know, your eyes are going to pick out those little things. So if you, if you turn away from those negative things and try to just focus on those things that are positive, and I'm talking about when your siblings do get along, when they do play well together, um, when you have that snuggle time on the couch and everyone is enthralled by the story, um, when the light bulb goes off and they get the math concept or they can read the, the long vowel sound for the first time or all those things, like treasure those in your heart. And then when things are rough, you have a bank that you can draw from to remember and, and focus on those things. Gratitude produces joy. So when you can look for things to be grateful for, then you will have joy in the journey and it won't be a slog. Nice little bow. Well, I think that that is a perfect way to end it. I hope that you've all enjoyed and thank you so much for joining me.